It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast. Normally with the Reign of Jays, but tonight it's just me, Jay King. John Corrales cannot join us. He had a, a work thing to, to tend to, unfortunately. Weird. He's, he's got another job, I know. Uh, I'm here in Las Vegas with the Celtics in Summer League. They just lost Jared Sullinger to the Toronto Raptors on a one-year, $5.6 million deal. We are welcoming him on. Tom Westerholm of Mass Live Celtics Hub, really talented guy. Always enjoy reading his writing. Hardworking guy. Tom, thanks for coming on, man. Jay, you nailed that intro. I know John usually does them, but uh, that was great. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't that great, but I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> the applause. Uh, so, yeah, let's let's first talk about Sullinger going to the Toronto Raptors. Uh, that was weird to me because that was a deal that the Celtics could have afforded a one year five point six million dollar deal. Like that was that was basically the only type of deal I thought the Celtics would have would have wanted to keep Sullinger on. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest issue with Sullinger was always going to be the years, right? It was going to be like, you know, just, just the amount of time that they were going to have to spend with him, you know, the amount of young guys that they have coming up that they were interested in. Um, but you know, it is really strange that that they wouldn't take that bite on one year. It makes me wonder, you know, how you know how much they liked his versatility going forward. How excited they were, you know, about you know the dancing bear and some of these young guys that are coming in. Um, you know, how much they plan to play Al Horford at the four. I guess. I mean, I, I don't really know. Like, it's really weird. Uh, like like you said, you know, it, just, it it does seem like that is the one type of deal that Soldier would have stuck around on. Yeah, I, I think. I think they are set up to to play like smaller now and have have lineups with like maybe Horford and Kelly Olynyk in the starting lineup and, mm-hmm. and Johnson and Jarebko in the in the in the second unit and all of a sudden you have shooting everywhere you have a roller with every unit like all of a sudden you have you have a rim protector all the time 48 minutes a game and that's different from Sullinger because obviously he wasn't a great shooter wasn't particularly good in the pick and roll he he did a lot of good things really productive guy like people, people don't understand how much the Celtics are going to miss Sullinger, but mm-hmm. losing him, I feel like they're kind of transformed a little bit. Like, like maybe their maybe their offense will take a, a big step forward because now they can play those small lineups. And and Stephen said yesterday in Las Vegas that he, he wants to play fast, and what he said was he wants to fly around this year. And and they played fast before, but. Without Sullinger, they might have a chance to play even faster than before. 
Yeah, you know, come back to your point briefly about how much they're going to miss Sellinger. It really, you know, you really notice that when you look at some of like his defensive rebounding percentage numbers, the amount of boards that he grabbed while he was on the floor, um, you know, he, he grabbed a huge percentage of them, uh, you know, for the team when he was out. Uh, and I mean, obviously, that's huge. You end possessions with defensive rebounds. So, so I mean, that's enormous. Um, but yes, I mean, obviously, you know, you get the you get the extra speed when he's not on the floor. Um, you get more versatility. I, he he was very much a four. I felt like um, like he couldn't really, you know, he could only defend like you know certain people. Um, I kind of thought that his defense was a little underrated. Um, not that he was a good defender, but people really ripped him uh, during the season. I think a little unnecessarily on the defensive end. He, he could do a few things, but all in all, it definitely sets them up to be a lot more versatile. And obviously, we know that's what Steven loves. So I, I mean. It does make sense from that perspective, but they are going to really miss him, you know, especially in the glass, especially you know on the glass on both ends, really. Yeah, it's it's just a really interesting move, you know. If they let him go, I always thought it was going to be for long term money, and now he's gone, <laughs> and they're left. Honestly, I like their rotation, and I think it's underrated that David Lee won't be there for half a year. Like David Lee really screwed a lot of things <laughs> up last year. Like they, they tried to play too big at, for the first forty some odd games, and they were around five hundred halfway through the season, and ended up with forty eight wins. You know, now with Al Horford, now with smaller lineups all the time, now with theoretically what should be pretty good lineups all the time. I, I mean, you'll you'll miss Evan Turner and his playmaking. Maybe Terry Rozier can provide some of that. Maybe Marcus Smart can provide some of that. But I think especially in the front court. The Celtics are are much better prepared to to not, not screw up the first half of the season like they did. Last year. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, we've talked about it a million times with with the you know the spacing that Horford brings um, that Sullinger won't. And I mean, I, I really it, it, it's it's weird for me to admit that that I don't think that Sullinger can hit threes because I you know I banged that drum for probably you know half a season longer than everybody else. Um, just because you know, like his form looked good and he hit him every once in a while. And it just, it seemed like such a valuable tool if he could develop it ever to, to have that, you know, that top of the key three pointer that Horford actually can knock down. But I mean, that's, that's another thing. Like it's just, you know, it's, it's spacing, it's speed, it's versatility. And, uh, you know, like, like you said, it's weird that they didn't bring him back, you know, from a contractual perspective, but you know, that there's going to be, uh, it's going to be a kind of a different looking team. And I think we're starting to see that as the, uh, you know, as the transactions from the summer kind of take place. Yeah, I think it's going to be small lineups, basically 48 minutes. And obviously I include Kelly Olenek at the four in small lineups. And, and maybe they'll play Horford sometimes with Amir Johnson in four or five mm-hmm. and be a little bigger. But e- even Horford, I mean, he could stretch the court. Like, they're, they're going to have a shooting four on the court at all times. And I think that, that'll make a big difference. One thing that happened after Sullinger left was Steve Bullpit from the Boston Herald tracked down John Lucas and I, I don't know if you know if you saw this Tom but Lucas who who coached Sillinger last season trained him last season kind of bashed him and, and it didn't really bash him like, like he said a lot of nice things about his character about who he is but just said he couldn't really ever commit to his body and obviously we knew that but but I mean Lucas was just flat out like saying, I called him after the season, and he told me he didn't want to work out as hard as he did last year, and mm. like he he couldn't he couldn't ever commit. He 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 wouldn't listen to people who were telling him he needed to do this all the time. 
and it's like like you understand where all their the Celtics concerns lied and and the fact that they didn't want to commit long term money to him like he's been a good player for four years but when yeah. when you give your, your trainer all sorts of credit and then <laughs> and then he comes out and he's like listen like Solinger did not want to do all the work again this year and it's red flag city like he couldn't get in shape in a contract year and i feel bad harping on it but but i really thought that interview with john lucas and steve bullpet was just just really enlightening about who solinger is and and why he can't turn that corner and become a really great player because i do think he has that potential i agree 100 percent. and and i will say you know i i really liked what you were doing actually on twitter with you know a lot of the celtics fans that were really you know coming after him on twitter it just was i mean it just seemed really unnecessary you know especially like i mean you know the guy's on his way out the door like and and you know you're chasing him off on twitter like just with you know awful stuff in his comment and his you know his app mentions and everything and it i that that bothered me a lot i you know i thought you handled that well um but like you said it is it is frustrating to see a guy with that much potential because it's not just you know it's not it's not just that he's like a big body it's that he's you know he's got soft touch he's got good footwork he knows where to be on the offensive glass and on the defensive glass. Like he, he does all of these good things. And, you know, those are things that would not go away if he lost some of that bulk, even though that bulk, you know, can, can make him a little stronger. Like these, the skill set wouldn't go away if he was lighter, if he was a little quicker, you know, if he could do a few more things athletically, you know, those are all things that, that he would really, that he could, you know, improve on. And, and that could make him into a great, you know, a really good player, like you said. And that's, you know, Maybe that's why he takes the one-year deal. I, I mean, it doesn't really sound like it based on, you know, the trainer saying that kind of stuff. It doesn't really sound like he's going to get himself in the best shape and become a, you know, a much more lucrative player next offseason. But, you know, that's it, it is really kind of his loss. He, he could be a really good player. Uh, he was a good player, but, you know, he could be a lot better than he has been. Yeah, and one thing, I, I think that's going to really help the Raptors. Like, they finished second in the Eastern Conference last year. They won a couple games off Cleveland in the playoffs. And, yeah, they lost Bismack Biombo, and they need to replace him because he was huge in the playoffs for them. But yeah. Sullinger, was a, that was a good pickup for them, and especially like $6 million, a little less than $6 million. Are you kidding me? With the money that's going around <laughs> right now, that, that is a huge pickup for them. They, they are going to be someone that the Celtics, they, they might face in the second round. If you look at the East right now, you know, whatever order it might be, Toronto two, Boston three, or vice versa. And like right now, if 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 you asked me to predict who would play in the second round, it would be those two. One thing the Celtics do yeah. need to figure out is is who plays, who takes Evan Turner's minutes. And he, he, I guess he was a small forward last year, but he also plays some point guard, some shooting guard. He did a little bit of everything. One guy who will be in the mix for those minutes is is Jalen Brown and obviously we haven't seen a lot of him he's only played three summer league games what have been your initial thoughts about the Jalen Brown experience so far well one of the things that I've been tweeting about repeatedly is like I, I feel like we're at this point right now where it's uh everything we say is well Jalen Brown missed the layup but and then you know whatever awesome thing that he did right before he missed the layup because he does some really nice things I think his handle is a little better than people thought it was going to be uh, you know, obviously he's he's just an incredible athlete. He, you know, when when you watch him elevate, uh, you know, he tried to dunk on, you know, everybody in that first game, and, and we haven't necessarily seen that as much in the second two. But you know, his athleticism is just completely off the charts. Um, there's going to be issues with his shooting right away out of the gate. I mean, it, it it's 
I think a lot of you know Celtics people kind of tried to talk themselves out of that uh, initially, but it does seem like you know he doesn't have the confidence in his jumper. His stroke doesn't look broken, but um, I think the biggest issue for him right now is going to be finishing around the rim. Uh, if he can if he can become a more consistent finisher at the rim, you know, off the glass dunking on people if he has to that's gonna make a huge difference for him offensively and defensively i mean all the tools are there for him to be a really special player yeah it's it's been fun because i mean he's gotten to the free throw line a lot 25 times in three games and that includes one game where he seemed really hesitant after coming back from a hyperextended knee he yep. he is absolutely a freak like when he up fakes and and goes to his right he just has an electric first step. He gets by everyone. Nobody can stay in front of him. He gets in the paint whenever he wants. And the next step is determining what he needs to do once he gets there. And, <laughs> you know, Brad Stevens has said it. Jamie Young has said it. Uh, Isaiah Thomas has said it. Like, And this, this isn't a direct quote from all those guys. But basically, it's like once he learns how to play the game, he's going to be really good. <laughs> and it's funny because like, he was the number three overall pick. <laughs> and all he needs to do is, is learn how to play basketball. But, but he does so many like freakishly athletic things. Like th- that block he had on Marquise Chris, Marquise Chris yeah. took a jumper. And he, I mean, he basically could have swatted it with his elbow. He was, he it just engulfed that thing. Like he could have swallowed it. He could have done whatever he wanted with it. And, and then he goes ahead and throws a turnover in transition. Comes racing back, catches someone from behind, and like flies in the air, like absolutely flies, but then fouls. And it, I think it was an and one even. So it was like the perfect sequence for who he is at this point in time. Like he does some ridiculously awesome things. He does some really stupid things, and and yeah, once he once he figures it out. But the, I mean, the key thing is figuring it out. Some guys don't figure it out. And, and the Celtics will need to be patient with him, I think. I, I don't know what type of role he'll play this year just because he does have a lot to learn about the game. And I, I know he's, he's a next-level athlete. And, and it's not just like he's explosive. Like, he's fluid. He, he, yeah. he switches directions. He's not like, like one of those Jeff Green athletes. Like, Jeff Green could move in a straight line unbelievably. Jalen Brown goes from side to side. Like he switched on to Devin Booker, caught up to him and swatted the crap out of him. Like that was yep. an awesome play too. Like he does some things where you're like, whoa, that dude can do some things hardly anybody does. But then it's just learning the game. How how do you feel so far? I guess uh, about his his chances of of making an impact this season. Well, it's so tough, right? Because this is a good basketball team, and not just like, and not even like last year where it was like, oh, this, you know, this could be a playoff team. Like, no, this this is a really, this is a good basketball team that's going to win real games. Um, I think I think it's tough because of the similarities to Jay Crowder in in terms of like defensive versatility, you know, in terms of like their offensive skill sets. I mean, Crowder obviously has been in the league for a few years and he knows a little bit better what to do. Um, you know, obviously Brown's Brown ceiling is so much higher. Uh, I do think that there is some potential for him to take over some of Evan Turner's minutes. Obviously, some of those are also going to go to Terry Rozier, um, you know, at least based on what we're seeing in summer league, you know, and, you know, haven't helped us if we're trying to determine things based off summer league, but it does seem like Rozier has made, uh, you know, has, has taken some real steps forward. Um, and, and, you know, we started to see those last year as well, but you know, those, those Turner minutes, you know, where he wasn't the point guard, um, those could go to Brown. I think at, at first, I think you're probably looking at, you know, like maybe 10 minutes 
here and there, you know, maybe 15 minutes while it starts to, to develop a little bit. Um, but, you know, he, he's an important guy to get on the court. I think the important thing to remember with him is you can't really have him be James Young. Like, you, you just can't have him, you know, not get in the game. You can't have him, you know, like, go through long stretches and lose his confidence and then, you know, bring him in for like three minutes here and three minutes there. Like he's he's much too important as a player, and obviously I think he's much more talented as a player, and I think he'll earn his minutes too. But it's really really important to bring him along, um, in in a way that you know that helps the team, um, that builds his confidence, and that just kind of you know moves the whole thing forward. He's an important part of the team, and I, I think we're going to see minutes that kind of reflect that. Yeah, I don't think you have to worry about Jalen Brown's confidence too much. <laughs> that, that, that dude is as confident as they come. I don't know if you saw it on, on ESPN. I guess they, they telecasted the game against Phoenix, and he was on with yeah. J.A. Adande, and they were they were asking him if he played Stephen Curry, who would win. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to say I would win because you know, he, he's smaller than I am, and I would just, <laughs> I would just get to the hoop. <laughs> And it's like, oh, yeah, you would definitely beat Stephen Curry one-on-one, man. Like, like, no, like no, no doubt. And then uh, what else did he say? He, he, somebody, I, I think he was asked uh, who he would want to defend the most. And he said Kevin Durant, LeBron James. I think he said Stephen Curry, too. And he said, they tell you to be careful what you ask for. He said, but I'm asking for that. <laughs> it's like, like that, that dude is is not short of confidence uh what one guy whose confidence has been growing lately and, and you touched on him a little bit terry rozier and I, I thought he didn't play the last game against phoenix and i thought more than ever like his importance to the summer league team was was so evident like he is he is such a better playmaker at this stage than any of those other guys and that just speaks to i think his development last year he just kind of didn't do much like he rebounded he didn't make mistakes he defended pretty well like when when he played minutes he didn't really screw up but he also didn't bring much to the table either and I think he's showing in this summer league that that maybe this year he'll be able to bring more to the table yeah I'm so high on Terry Rozier right now I keep having to check myself and remind myself that no it is summer league and he's doing this against you know summer league players but I the, the progression he's made, you know, especially as a ball handler, uh, I, I really love the way, you know, Stevens talked. I mean, I don't know how many times he said the word burst last year during summer league, but it was in double digits for sure, probably upwards of like 20 to 25 um, in interviews that he said that. And this year we're really starting to see what he meant by it. You know, you can see Rozier when he sees like, you know, a, a gap between two defenders, he, you know, he bursts through it. He, you know, you can see him, uh, you know, speeding up and slowing down and going side to side. Whereas last year, I felt like a lot of it was just kind of like on speed, you know, straight ahead. Um, this year, that's kind of going side to side. He's changing directions. He's changing speeds. He's getting to the rim. You know, he's finishing these tough layups around the basket. His touch looks so good right now. I had a layup the other night. It just they, they kind of blew my mind. Uh, he, he, you know, just going full speed ahead at the hoop, and then you know, kind of managing to slow himself, almost seemingly in midair, uh, you know, to get to get a layup in. Um, and, and his jumper is looking better. I mean, he's he's knocking down three pointers. So I, I'm I think that there's definitely a role on him for this team. You know, as a creator, as a shot creator, and you know, as somebody who can you know, dish to teammates, who, who can burst past people, and who can defend the point guards. I, I think. Um, I think he's in. I think he's going to have a really good season this year. Yeah. Now, now before I let you go, one other guy that that could get minutes this year is R.J. Hunter, and we haven't talked a lot about him on the podcast for whatever reason. Uh, I guess it's because he he's, he missed a couple games with a sore wrist, but he had a matchup with Devin Booker the other night, and 
I don't think RJ's had a great summer league so far. Like, yeah. For for as far as guys coming back for their second year, I don't I don't think he's he's shown huge strides yet. Obviously, part of that is is with the the wrist, and and part of that is you know he's playing with a lot of younger guys who are trying to do too much, and 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 he's really a guy who who functions as part of an offense rather than going one on one. But I I I really enjoyed how he and Booker went at each other, and and obviously Booker got the best of him sometimes, but they started woofing at each other. And it was like RJ lifted himself to another level, and he, he swatted Booker. He got a steal, and it was like like he needs that intensity all the time. And I, I thought he he really played pretty well against Phoenix. What, what have been your thoughts about RJ, and especially that matchup with Booker? Uh, I guess last night, Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that people forget about him is that he is really long. You know, he, he's got a nice frame, you know, to be a decent defender. Obviously, he's not the fastest guy in the world, but, you know, frame-wise and just kind of, you know, as a basketball IQ kind of player, he does have, the you know, some nice tools to be a good defender. Uh, and I think that's going to be big for him. He needs, he really needs to show that he's not just a shooter. Um, I think he's doing that. Uh, or I think he's done that. I think, you know, we know that he can be a good passer. Um, he's not probably athletic enough to beat people off the dribble and kind of use his passing that way. But, you know, if you run nice sets, then like you said, when he's playing within a system, he can be really useful. Uh, and, and his range is really limitless. I mean, we've seen that a few times out during summer league where, you know, he'll pull up for shots and you're just like, uh, I don't know about that. Okay, no, that wouldn't, you know, and it just like swishes in, uh, you know, and, and it started off like 10 feet behind the line. I, I, I think it's really important for him that he shows that he can really contribute on the defensive end, you know, during summer league. Um, that he can play within a defensive scheme and also just contain his man um, because it's so important for uh, Boston's wings and perimeter players to be able to do that. Um, so for him, I think that's the biggest thing. But I am really high on him still. I mean, you know, you've seen me play basketball, Jay. You know that I'm going to be high on a shooter. Um, and so <laughs> I love R.J. Hunter, but I do think, uh, and, and I do think there is a potential role for him on this team. Yeah, I do think one thing he has to do is actually knock down shots. You know, last year was a rookie. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's one thing he didn't do. And and the Celtics need a shooter. It's obvious they need more shooting, even with Horford in, even with their lineup setting up to have more skill at all times. Uh, it, it's going to be imperative to find someone, especially on the perimeter, who can knock down more shots. And they, they need they need improvement from Isaiah Thomas. They need improvement from Marcus Smart. They need improvement even from Avery Bradley, who was probably their best shooter last year with the exception of Kelly Olenek. And R.J. Hunter is one of those guys who can step up. He has that limitless stroke, as you said. He's got really great range. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Summer League has been, I mean, the last couple of games haven't been nearly as good as, as Utah. The competition has been tougher. But the Celtics have a lot of interesting guys. I mean, we didn't even talk about Yabusele, who I've, I've, I've really started to enjoy over the last few Summer League games. He's been a lot of fun. Uh, also a lot of fun having you on. I really appreciate it, Tom. Thank, thank you for coming on. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, for, for those listening, this is the, the Locked On Celtics podcast with the Rain and Jays. Nor, normally the Rain and Jays, although Corrales had to skip out. That bomb. Uh, follow us on iTunes. Follow us on Audio Boom. Give us a five-star rating. If not for us, just for Tom Westerholm, uh, who, who is a great guest. Thank you all for listening, and have a nice night or morning or day, whatever it might be when you listen to this. Thanks. Take care. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter, so it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday... 
We talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.